This week on This Happy Podcast, we're discussing a recent segment on CBS This Morning about an avid collector of Disney Park relics and memorabilia. He's putting his coveted collection up for auction. <laughs> Rummel's collection grew to a whopping 45,000 items from Disneyland and other Disney parks around the world, acquired from auctions, garage sales, and even former Disney employees. It includes everything from cast member name tags to big ticket items like vehicles from iconic rides. So this is a Mr. Toad car from Walt Disney World, and they were rotting away in the Florida sun and rain. How many tens of thousands of people have probably ridden in this car? Millions. Millions. This story got us thinking. If we could have one or two keepsakes from Disney Parks past, what would it be? I'm your host, Matt Palmer, joined by my fellow co-host, Paul Jarzembowski. John Grasso is off this week as he's get, getting hit by every pollen in the Northeast. So, Paul, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be recording again. It's good to be with you. Good to, good to chat about Disney stuff. I, I need, a, I need a, a little bit of dose of Disney in my week, you know? Um, so this is good to chat about. Yeah, we need some magic right now, right? Absolutely. Yeah, this story kind of got me. I, I was I was just compelled by this story because um, you know, first of all, I I whatever when, whenever that auction is, I totally wish I could be there. Right. But I also totally wish I had limitless money so I could buy some of the stuff in his collection. Um, in fact, I there was a a couple of years ago. It, it's it's closed now, but in Orlando, I remember whenever I would have a, a rent a car there. There was a place that had um, collectibles and relics and memorabilia from years past, and uh, we'd make a trip out there. And um, in fact, I even um, I even have a little bit with me here. I have a uh, in the microphone. You might be able to hear the uh, the, the clanking of this plate. Um, I have a plate that's from the uh, Polynesian back in the '80s and the '90s that they had at this memorabilia store. And as the Polynesians, one of my favorite resorts, I thought I want, um, I don't know if it's original 70s, but it's definitely original 80s, 90s um, place setting that you would find in the Polynesian restaurants. Um, and I thought, what a great thing to have in my home to have a plate from those early days of the Polynesians. So they would sell things like this. It was also affordable. So I, on a tourist budget and also uh, right size, I could stick this in a suitcase and cover it with my, you know, whatever I had, you know, uh, clothes I had, I could put that in there. Um, but they had some really cool things. So the memorabilia stuff I've seen for a while, and I just find that fascinating. And this guy's collection just re-earths some of that, you know, brings some of that stuff back up. Was there anything when you watched the segment that you thought like, oh, I want that? Um, so there was a segment where he rang the bell um, that Walt rang, um, as, or purportedly Walt rang I think it was with the trains or something like right, that. Right, it was one of the, I think the mini trains, the precursor to yeah. Under Mountain kind of train right. that they had in Disneyland. Yeah, and and it's funny when he rang the bell, I even though that's a little bit, little of a di different dinging of the bell than you hear with the train or or with uh, Thunder Mountain or anything like that, it, it still had that Disney ring to it and it made me smile and I'm like, I want to be, I want to have that bell. Of course, I drive my wife and anyone else who came over crazy that I'd be ringing that sucker all the time, but it did have that sound that just reminded me that, you know, you kind of hear that in the distance, the din of the noise when I'm walking through the Magic Kingdom, you hear those kinds of bells 
So that that kind of made put a smile on my face. I gotta say, I want the uh, sky bucket ride. <laughs> I and then I would want to attach a wire going above my house, <laughs> so that I could have a nice sky bucket ride above uh, Maryland. Yeah, it's like you. It's like do you have to? You have to. You know what? We'll we'll you know you can attach it one end to my house and one end to your house, and then we can just you can just you know gondolier over um it's a little long but you know yeah no i i saw that too i was thinking well, that'd be fun because the thing is is what was interesting about that piece is that it's the mem the, the interesting memory of a, of a of a gondolier a gondola um is that what you re if you remember that you part what you saw when you were in it was you were looking down at the park so you had a unique bird's eye view of uh, the Magic Kingdom or Disneyland, wherever it was. I think it was in both actually. Um, and so your memory of that is not just that, but what you saw from it. Um, so. Well, I have a very specific memory of riding that, um, the Skyway at the Magic Kingdom at Walt Disney World, uh, my freshman year of high school, when we went on a band trip or a music trip. And when I returned, as an adult man with my family, I just couldn't believe that it wasn't there anymore. I know. Um, and I know that in Disneyland, it used to ride through the Matterhorn bobsled. Yeah. Which is just crazy to think about. I, 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 if there's anything that I, I'm, it's weird to get nostalgic about something that I never actually rode, but like, I think about how that view of Disneyland will never come back again that like bird's eye view of these wonderful lands yeah um so i i wish that that still was a possibility because there are some amusement parks theme parks throughout the country that still have those yeah um you know for those on the northeast or the uh the south bush gardens in williamsburg is uh has one of those and takes you from one end of the park to the other and you go over all the different countries in, in, in the park. It's great. Well, it's probably one of the reasons why they brought the Skyliner as their mode of transportation. When I first heard it, I thought, well, that's an interesting choice. Like they have, they have boats, they have buses, they have trains, they have monorails, and now they have a, uh, they're going back to the gondoliers, uh, you know, the Skyliner thing. And I thought, well, but I think there is such a uniqueness to that perspective. And, and believe me, when I've taken the Skyliner at Disney World over the last couple of years that it's been operating, it is really magical because you do have that unique view um, while also being petrified that you're gonna fall off that wire because I mean, if you think about it, the, the, those kind of gondolas are, uh, they're a little precarious. We think about the physics- You're not passing down very much. What's that? You're, there, there's no seatbelt. No, and and it's you know a, a stiff wind and you know you're like that, that physics just takes over and you're like this is dangerous. Um, you're trusting an engineer that might not be alive anymore. Exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Ski resorts and others ha and these other parks have had them for years, so yeah. I guess it's all right. But it yeah, it's one of those wonderful things that I'm like excited to. But I think part of the excitement is also that like. That excitement you get when you're totally frightened of what you're doing and so when i go on the skyliner it's that i hope this thing is safe but mm -hmm. it's so awesome and it's so scary and it's so awesome <laughs> yep you are exactly right i i've had that reaction more at 
um, less intense parks. And I know like some people say, well, Disney parks aren't very intense, but like I went to um, Dutch Wonderland in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And your feet dangle out there. You're on a wire. You have mm-hmm. no seatbelt. And there's just a bar in front of you. Yep. And that park looks like it was constructed in 1958. And then nothing was done since. Um, it's a sweet, innocent park. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're in the, uh, the Northeast, it kind of gives you uh, what, what it looked like for um, the Eastern seaboard to, to sort of imagine what Disneyland would be like on the East Coast. Yeah. They've got a castle, all that stuff. They have a monorail. Huh. It, it's a very small Magic Kingdom. Nice. Um, it's a budget Magic Kingdom. Gotcha. Uh, but they What's do they have those sky rides, and they just kind of dangle by the wire. And I was with my daughter, and I was like, I'm not sure she's staying in this, and I barely feel like I'm staying in here either. Matt, what's the name of the park again? Dutch Wonderland. Dutch Wonderland. Fantastic. So it is, uh, there's, there is the recurring fairy tale theme throughout. Yeah. Um, they have le- uh, rides with minimal impact, you know, that are more geared towards children eight and below. Yeah. Um, there's one or two, I believe, wooden roller coasters there that are more like in line with um, 30 foot drops, you know, like a, a old wooden roller coaster with a 30 foot drop. It's a very easy, nice introductory ride. Um, and there's a couple rides throughout, but yeah, it'll make you feel um, like you're at a budget Magic Kingdom. But you've got the, you got the gondola. The other place I've been to with one is the Omaha Zoo. Um, and the zoo in Omaha. Um, the scary part about that is, again, you're, you're going over animals. And so like, if this thing, if you should fall out of it, you're like falling into like the elephant pit or something. Oh like yeah. That. And you're like, okay, um, this is like, not only do you have the fall, but then if you survive the fall, <laughs> you have to contend with wild animals. <laughs> and so like, I just imagine, I don't know, for some odd reason, I think of like a, like a Jurassic Park movie gone wrong, you know, or, or, I think I, of Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. There's I that. immediately yeah. regret this decision. <laughs> so I didn't realize this was going to be our, our podcast on uh, gondolas and parks around the country, but maybe we should jump back to the topic of our. Yeah, yeah I think that's a good idea. But I will say I coveted that gentleman's and, it, and it's, it's funny if you go back and we'll link to the we'll link to the segment in our uh, in our various descriptions on social um, and on and on the podcast itself. Um, the, the man who acquired this collection said, his wife looked at him and said, what are we going to do with this? And he said, I don't know. And now he's got to the point where he's auctioning it off. So he clearly didn't know what he was going to do with it. Yeah. Um, but uh, let's get to the main topic for this week, um, which is if we could have Disney Park relics, what would we want? Um John is obviously absent this week, but he did send over a couple suggestions of what he might want. Yeah. Um, I've got his up. So he says he would, uh, it would be a piece of the Illuminations Earth Globe, preferably the LED metal uh, that represented New England, the area that he's from. Um, that or the Tapestry of Nations puppet. Now, 
I'm going to sound like a out of place nerd. What is he talking about there? <laughs> well, the globe. So the globe, for, first of all, there's the globe from uh, illuminations that would open up. And so um, and it's no longer there because they moved to harmonious. So the globe that would open up in the middle of the, the, the lake in the middle of Epcot uh, will showcase. Um, I think that's so he's talking about that. Now, the Tapestry of Nations was, um, I do believe he's talking about the ones that were on, there was on sticks, they had uh, like different, for the millennium, they had different sticks, I think, that they went there. And I think that was what he's talking about. Okay. I could be wrong. And, 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 and I could just see John listening to this podcast right now going, that's not at all what I meant. <laughs> So I well, think though there were like like during during the Tapestry of Nations finale uh, or during that that thing there was different. Um, it was almost like mannequins is probably not the best word, but like um, uh, you'd have to use sticks and they were high above you while the people below it kind of uh, held on to sticks and, and 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 above their heads had puppets of different figures representing different nations. Um, and stuff like that, different costumes and different things. So I'm sure John has a very, he really loves the Epcot uh, finales for the fireworks and he stuff like does. that. And so those are both things. So John, we applaud you for sticking with your, your love of classic 90s, early 2000s, uh, well, actually 2000s kind of um, uh, Epcot. So good for you. You can totally pinpoint when John became a dreamer by like what he wants to bring back from Epcot. It's <laughs> very true. So How about you, Matt? I mean, have, have you been even th thinking about this too? Yeah, I think that one of the things that I think that anybody that's listened to this podcast will know that I am a Haunted Mansion fanboy. And I think during the Halloween episode last fall, I did an episode, I did the intro I should say that was in the mode of um, in the mold of, of Paul Freeze's ghost host narration. Um, recently, I watched the behind the attraction special on uh, Disney Plus about the Haunted Mansion, and they begin that special with clips of uh, the audio unrolling the real audio that it was recorded on the reel of Paul Freeze doing various readings of that as he found his voice and found the cadence um, of uh, Xavier Asensio, uh, who wrote the, the words of, of uh, the Haunted Mansion. And he was trying to, he was like, Paul Freeze was trying to find the right tone, the right breath. And I would kill to own that reel that I could somehow play in my, in like in a homemade haunted, haunted house, haunted mansion, um, you know, like for Halloween or something like that, to be able to play that at any time. Um, because, you know, for those that don't know, Paul Freeze uh, was the voice of many different villainous characters throughout the Rankin-Bass specials of the, the 1960s, 70s, and in, I, I believe into the 80s. Um, he's just he's all over the place. He's in so many beloved various cartoons and specials, um, but he lives on in the Haunted Mansion and that voice, he sets the tone for that experience. So I would love to have that real. Um, that's one. 
Um, and then my other one, I think, um, you know, I, I think that any animatronics that are left over from some classic Disney fantasy land attractions, uh, anything from Mr. Toad's Wild Ride that was in Orlando and Walt Disney World um, in the Magic Kingdom, um, or Snow White's Scary Adventure, which they dismantled uh, in order to build the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train about seven years ago, eight years ago. Um, they carried over some of those animatronics, I think, from the dancing scene um, to the end of the, the Mine Train coaster. Um, but there's, there are many things, many features of that ride that I would love to have. Um, just to, you know, if I ever had a room, if I, if I could have the room that that gentleman had in the CBS This Morning special, uh, I would love to have an area where I just plug in animatronics to go do their thing and have their voice and all that stuff. Um, I would love it. If he had a Mr. Toad's Wild Ride card. Um, that would be a tremendous, tremendous addition to, I think, a collection. Um, and then one little extra one, I think. Um, many people, and I never got to ride it, and I've seen it on YouTube, uh, and I've had plenty of Disney fans tell me how much they loved it. The great movie ride at uh, Disney Hollywood Studios uh, was replaced by, um, recently by the, the first Mickey Mouse uh, uh, Runaway, Runaway Railway. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I see the animatronic that they had for the Wicked Witch of the West, oh, yeah, which was like a really advanced animatronic for mm -hmm. its time in the, I think it was the late eighties when that, when that ride was built. It was one of the first rides built there at Hollywood. 1989, it was a yeah. part. Yeah, it was and a just watching that thing move in all the videos, I'm like, what did they do with it? Where did they put that? Did they go and store it in Glendale? Because uh, I would like to talk to them about possibly purchasing that to have in my haunted house menagerie. Oh, very nice. So you never went on the great movie ride? No, I didn't make it to Hollywood Studios until um, basically the complete overhaul of it. Actually, I missed the Star Wars Galaxy's Edge uh, by about five months when I went in 2019. Uh, or yeah, I guess it was 2019. And the thing was, is Disney, Galaxy's Edge hadn't opened yet, but Toy Story Land was open. Um, Mickey's Runaway Railway was being worked on. So there was nothing in the great movie ride section at that point. Yeah. So um, we actually walked away from that park going, all right, there's a lot of things we were able to do, but like clearly they're working on other things. And uh, so we kind of got caught in the not quite fully formed version. Um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't trade it for anything because we got you know plenty of great rides on other things, uh, plenty of other great attraction experiences. Um, but when I looked at that and I thought, oh, that would have been a really fun thing to experience. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good, and they had a lot of neat movie props there. Um, I remember when I was growing up, the one of my favorite movies. I, okay, so I, I just ask you not to judge one of my favorite movies as a, as a kid. I won't. Was I the was the Alien and Predator movies? So they had a scene in. I know what kid likes the R-rated Aliens and Predator, but anyway, I did. Every kid and in the eighties did. I guess so. We weren't supposed to. We weren't supposed to, but we did. And there was a scene in the Great Movie Ride of you know you go through the Nostromo, which is from Alien, 
Uh, right. The, you know, so I would have, I, I would, yeah, having the alien creature would be kind of fun too, but that's not one of mine, but it is, that was one of my favorite in that ride was that scene with the Ellen Ripley and uh, going through the Nostromo. So that's a remarkable inclusion in that ride because everything else at Disney parks to that point. Yeah. Uh, I don't think mentioned an R-rated film. Yep. So the um, fact that Alien was was in there is kind of it is unique and it is you know kind of edgy at the time and that still is kind of I think because I don't think yeah you really wouldn't see you know they even tried to have kind of an Alien esque thing where Stitch's Great Escape eventually went into before the extraterrestrial right. was basically like an aliens ride or an aliens experience right it was called that the alien encounter right it was the alien encounter but it i don't think they could i don't think at the time if only they had purchased 20th century uh back then they probably could have done it but back then i don't think they got the rights for that so they had to make a subpar version of an alien thing which didn't quite work and neither did stitch and i don't know what they're going to put in there now but we'll see well if um not to get too far off track, but if we're, uh, if our Asian uh, counterparts, the Disney Park, uh, the Disney Parks over in Tokyo are getting an overhaul of Tomorrowland, I think uh, Disney Disney Park fans here in America can only dream that maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll get, get that refurbishment. I hope so. So I shared my uh, my uh, my desires for relics and and memorabilia. How about you? Well, I'll start with the big one and the one that it, that 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 Sarah is probably going to look at me and go, where are we going to put that? Um, but uh, one of them, it, kind of taking a hint from the, the gondola uh, from the park would be my equivalent of that now that is currently in the park, which is the people mover. Um, and I love the people mover because the people mover does the same thing that those gondolas did. It gives you kind of an overview of an area. And just like the, the gondola went through the Matterhorn in Disneyland. Um, the People Mover goes through Space Mountain um, in the Magic Kingdom. And I think, you know, so I would love, um, you know, I, I'm sure that they've, re they've done, I don't know which version of the cars they're on now, but I think that would make for a great, uh, like, living room thing. Well, come and sit in, in, the, in the People Mover uh, car uh, in my living room and we could just put it there. We just get rid of the couch and just put, you know, put the people mover. Cause it's like one of the most relaxing things. So I'd love to just sit in there and continue to relax. So that's one, that's one of the big ones that I probably do. Um, I kind of resisted one of the other thoughts I had, but then I'm like, I, there's no feasible way I could do it, which would be one of the original Mark, I don't know, four uh, monorails. Um, but again, where do I put that? <laughs> I'd have to buy a house just to find a place to put the monorail. But anyway, you would need like a the equivalent of Neverland Ranch. You would yeah. need a whole farmland area. But then I got more realistic, and of course, so so I'm honing my inner John Grosso, and I'm going back to Epcot because um, there's two things in Epcot that I think are totally totally feasible and totally would still fit in the house um, because as I said the people mover and, the, and the, the mark IV monorail probably won't fit in the house so the two things I was thinking about was one is um, the dream finder from journey to imagination when he first one of the things he used to do 
is he used to walk around the parks with a figment puppet that he, yeah. you know, and I remember as a kid meeting him and, you know, as a kid, you, you know, suspension of disbelief is, is easy. And so I really believe he had a figment that he was walking around with because they puppeted it so well. So I would want that puppet. I would want the figment puppet. Um, nice. I think that would be, you talked about, you know, some of those things that you'd put in your, you know, those figures from the Mr. Toads, right? This would be a figure of, of the original figment that uh, the Dreamfinder would walk around with and that puppet. I think that would be really cool. But, the, but going over a little bit further in Epcot, one of the other places that I thoroughly loved and would love to get it in my house would be the Smart One uh, robot from Communicore. Um, now, for those who don't know what Smart One is, uh, because they do have Figment still at the park, it's not that original one, but they do have Figment, but they don't have Smart One anymore. Smart One actually is spelled S-M-R-T, uh, no A, uh, S-M-R-T dash one, and it was a blue and silver and maybe purple little robot that was, I don't know, maybe four feet, three, actually, no, probably probably three feet tall, not very tall at all, but he would sit in the middle of the Communicore building and you would interact with it. So it was like one of the first times that you got to interact with technology because that's what Epcot was about. And so things that we take for granted today, they were doing back in the early 80s and Smart One was basically like Siri um, or, or Alexa um, and you would ask it questions and it would give you responses. And so uh, Smart One was that, and I remember as a kid, I fell in love with Smart One. I thought I wanted one of those robots. I mean, this is the same era as like Rocky Four and like the robot that's in the house or Short Circuit and Johnny Five is Alive, you know? So robots in the 80s were kind of a thing. And I remember even Teddy Ruxpin, the doll, was basically a robot with fur. Um, and so... Uh, so smart one for me was that memory. And so I would totally, I don't know what they've ever done with that robot. I, 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 I'm sad that they don't bring it back out because I think smart one is one of those, like, like there, that would be one of those pieces of relics of classic Epcot that I think people would love to see again. Um, and so it why was, do you think that that doesn't exist, but say like sunny eclipse does? um remind me of sunny uh, which one's that one Sunny uh, eclipse is in uh tomorrowland in the magic kingdom oh is oh yeah is he in he's the, like uh, the band leader or something yeah like that? in the restaurant there yeah, yeah he's yeah i see that's the thing i don't know i think that epcot has always they've you know i think the there's been such an aversion to classic epcot it's like i feel sometimes that maybe management is a little ashamed of 80s Epcot because it's so 80s, but it also endeared so many people to it. I don't know. I think that there's been, an, I think they're more akin to the, the original nostalgia of the Magic Kingdom because it's kind of like the original nostalgia of Disneyland than they are to Epcot. Sure. Um, but Epcot, you know, for those of us who grew up in the 80s, classic 82 to 89 Epcot um, there's some wonders there that I think that they that they they could have they, they they decided not they put it in mothballs. So if Smart One is out there somewhere, um, Smart One has a home here if he wants one, 
or if the Disney Corporation wants to, you know, generously donate Smart One, or if I had an unlimited amount of money, I would be happy to take that off of Disney's hands and Smart One would find a place of honor uh, in our home. So was it more interactive than Mr. Potato Head in the uh, Toy Story Mania? Totally. <laughs> totally. Fascinating. <laughs> yeah, they reverted. They like that, like, like that's the thing. Like, and I think that's part of the reason why a couple of us um, really love classic Epcot because Epcot was hope. Epcot was what is possible about the future and actually was the future. Like, as I said, they had Alexa in 1982, essentially. And, you know, stuff that we're like mesmerized about today in the, you know, in the second decade of the 20th century, third, third decade of the 20th century, back in the early 80s, they were already thinking that. And I think there was such possibility and such ingenuity and creativity and attention to the Disney's love. And I mean, Disney, like Walt Disney's love of new technologies. Epcot was that. And so I think that's why many of us fell in love with that original Epcot because everything that was hopeful, like if there was ever this hopefulness in the, of the eighties, it was encapsulated in Epcot. And I think that there's symbols of that um, even figment, I know that figment is technically the figment of your imagination, but they really encouraged people to, 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 to not rely on existing properties or IPs, but to, to lean on their imagination. And that's what figment was about. That's what smart one was about. That's what horizons was. Oh, horizons of happy memory. Um, you know, the original spaceship earth. So, I mean, yeah, I, 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 sorry, you got me waxing. You know, if, if John's not here, someone has to wax nostalgic about the Epcot that, 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 was, that is no longer here. <laughs> well, I think um, you're not alone. Um, judging by some of the reactions people have had to Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind finally opening, um, people are realizing that, that Epcot of old is, is, is really not not coming back and and what we have now is is something different um i know a lot of influencers have talked about that recently too um so i don't think you're alone um but i i think like this is a good point for us to say like to pitch it out to everybody if you've got a relic uh of disney park past a, a memorabilia a piece of memorabilia that you would like to add to your collection what would it be you know what's your smart one What's your Mr. Toad? (laughs) Yes, what's your Mr. Toad? Uh, Please share with us at thishappypodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our social media. We're going to have something on our Instagram at thishappypod where we we have some of these images of some of these past attractions. And you can comment on what you would like to uh, get your hands on. Please, uh, please click subscribe here on the podcast on all audio platforms. We're talking Spotify, Apple, Pandora, iHeart, Google, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts, we're there. Leave us a review and share with your friends. Paul, I've had a lot of fun talking about this. Um, I am now officially under a month until I return to Disneyland for the first time in about 12 years. I'm getting excited. Oh, and I'm officially under one week until I go back to the to, to Disney World. So I'm I'm very excited about the what what awaits me in less than one week. So we can't wait to get a report. So Paul, I had a lot of fun talking about this tonight. Uh, this is a great topic. 
Uh, we'll have a link to the segment that inspired this episode of This Happy Podcast in the descriptions below. And uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We will see you real soon. Thank you.